Welcome back to the Duke Basketball Junkies. A quick turnaround because uh, we have a special guest today. Uh, we got the we got a, a nice win last night at Indiana in an incredibly hostile atmosphere, right? I feel like something bad happened there that we don't know about. Like Coach K sort of like mysteriously referenced in his post game interview. Like what? He just said something about how when Coach Knight was here, these guys wouldn't be chanting this. So I'm guessing they chanted something really nasty at Grayson. Oh, I see. Yeah, they were definitely really hard on uh, on Grayson. Uh, tight game. Uh, I thought we, we continued to have the same kind of defensive problems, uh, but fantastic on offense, a lot of the guys. And uh, made the big winning plays when it mattered. Love that Bolden came in at the end and really stepped up and uh, made winning defensive plays. Great win. Fantastic win. Yeah. This team's sort of walking on water. I feel like our sense of the team might be a little overinflated because, you know, we're 9-0 and we've knocked off some really good teams. But there are some, you know... I'm actually pretty pretty scared. Uh, bad signs. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm... You know, I think it can be fixed, uh, the defense stuff. but uh, To be addressed, for sure. Yeah, they have a month to do it. Uh, so our special guest today is going to be Ricky Price. He's coming back to uh, talk to us about the team and what's been going on uh, to provide his uh, really keen analysis and insight. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to give him a call. He says he's ready. Ready Sounds to talk great. to Ricky again? Absolutely. All right. Uh, All right, now we're calling Rick. Hello? Hey, Ricky. How's it going? <laughs> What's up, guys? How are you, Ricky? No problem, man. I love hanging out with you guys and talking hoops. It's always good, especially when we're talking Duke. All right, how, how have you been uh, since the summer? You been good? Things things well? Yeah, it's been a great summer. Um, you know, obviously, we're real busy uh, summer and uh, in fall. Several kids that we have are training and getting ready to make their middle school and high school teams. Uh, the season has started now, so most of those guys were able to successfully do that, which we're happy about. And right now, it's about just maintenance, staying sharp, and you know, making sure our guys get through a good year. Actually, I'm headed uh, here in an hour or so to watch uh, one of my kids play, middle school kid, uh, who's uh, one of the better players in Charlotte. So, never stops, man. Never stops. That's uh, sounds good. I'm glad you're you're you're, you're doing well. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time during the middle of a busy basketball season to talk with us. Uh, let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Uh, we, we'd love to hear your just general overall impressions of, uh, of the action at the PK-80, the, uh, the win last night at Indiana. How are you feeling about the team? I feel good about the team. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I try to take my emotions. Last year, I was fooled, uh, getting excited in the preseason and we were ranked number one last year as well, and uh, the season didn't turn out the way I wanted to, especially towards the end. Um, but this year, it's a different team, different cast, uh, a couple of the same characters, but uh entirely different team. And uh, I like what I see. I think this team is special. Um, all the ingredients uh, of a championship team. Um, so I'm excited to see you know where they can take this and if they can improve and, and get better as the season progresses. Yeah, the, the talent is... Uh obvious and overwhelming uh Bagley in particular right I mean it's have you ever seen something like this the, the way he dominates on the offensive end Nah, I was talking to a couple people about that and uh you know I would have to I would have to put him as one of the greatest two players to 
to probably uh, put on a uniform. You know, my favorite and probably the best two player I've ever seen is Grant Hill. Um, and then maybe shortly thereafter, Jason Williams. But he has to be in that conversation as best player. Best time to Kyrie Evans in that conversation as well. But those four guys, for me, have been the most talented guys that I've seen, that I've seen put on a Duke uniform. And uh, he has been ultra-impressive uh, in his first uh, couple games, I guess 19 games now. And uh, he is incredibly athletic. He has a great motor. What I really like about him is that, you know, he hunts. He hunts his shot. I mean, he looks to score. He wants the ball. And uh, if he can get to that left hand, it's a wrap. I mean, he's incredibly hard to stop. And he goes after all of his misses. And because he jumps so high, I mean, he uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a matchup nightmare. He, he is driving the machine right now. And uh, I'm happy about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, it's it's exciting. We didn't know how it would work with Grayson and who, who they'd run the offense through, Grayson, Duvall, or Bagley. And, you know, they're actually, like, sharing the ball really well. That's he, well. He's a, Bagley's a much better passer than I would have expected. Uh, he's really got good court vision. And what I really like, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, is when the game's on the line, when the team needs a basket, he demands the ball. You know, that's that's a good... uh, absolutely. I mean, against uh, against uh, Texas, I think it was where uh, the game went to overtime. He asked for the ball. He had on the right wing. He put up for a, for a three point shot. It wasn't probably the best shot that he could have taken, but the <laughs> fact that he wanted the ball in that situation uh, means a lot. And then there were some times yesterday where he was calling for the ball and uh, emphatically, and uh, he didn't get it a couple times. A couple times he did, but. You know, he gets it in good position down low. You can forget it. That's two points. Hey, Ricky, are you are you surprised that other teams haven't started double teaming him immediately? Well, Indiana did. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, uh, he passes the ball well out of a double team, and that's the next stage of his development. Him and Wendell Carter, you know, guys are going to start to double immediately, and they'll mix it up. You know, they'll wait for the catch, and then when he looks to operate in the low block, they'll look to double, or they'll just double immediately. He has to be smart and make the right basketball play and be able to play out of the double team. And I think the adjustment they made in the second half was for him to go early. A lot of times, you see this in the pros a lot, where you'll get the ball in the post and the double team will come. And before the double team is set, you can go quickly and you can draw a foul or beat the double team. If you wait you know, for the double team, that's when you get in trouble. And you know, It's tough for young players to decipher how to play out of a double team, but Wendell Carter and and Bagley are going to have to be able to do that if we want to be successful because teams are going to they're going to have to double because no, there's nobody that can guard both of those guys in single coverage. Yeah, even when the doubles came and they didn't react right away, like last night, they were double-teaming Carter. He, he still had the wherewithal to, to, to not panic and make, make a, a good pass even a, you know, out of the double-team, which is uh, you know also like a function of talent and ability, I think. Uh, even though he didn't make that quick decision, I, I was impressed. By, uh, I feel like it was the first composure. time they'd, they'd seen it this year, a quick double. And they, they were pretty far away from the basket when it came out. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you catch in the low post and single coverage, the double comes, you know, you got to make quick decisions. A couple times, you know, they tried to make the cross-court pass or they got stripped uh, out of the double team, and that's going to happen. But um, if those two guys can learn how to play at the double team, usually they can see over the top, and draw fouls out of it, but um, the second half we did a much better job of, of playing out of that. And then we got stuff on the weak side, you know, guys making jumpers weak side, driving off kicks, and so uh, good things happen. So, you know, I'm real happy with this team. There's there's some weaknesses there that we have to shore up, but uh, I mean, nine, ten games in, 
I like what I see. Boy, are there some weaknesses. But let's let's stick to the strength just for a minute. <laughs> uh, I'm noticing. Uh, can you? I don't know if you. Uh, maybe you're better to talk about sort of the technical offensive stuff than, than we are. Uh, like I'm seeing them do a lot of pick and rolls with the big guys. Um, you know, mm-hmm. setting uh, ball screens and I noticed they were just uh, slipping the screens quite frequently and receiving you know really good passes from Duval and and Grayson. Do you think they're doing, is, is that like uh, something they're adding in more of and we're going to see a lot of instead of just sort of throw, dumping it down into the low post? Uh, can you talk about maybe like how versatile these big guys are on offense, uh, the ability to do both? Oh, yeah, teams? I mean, the, the pick and roll is the premier plan basketball, especially in today's game. You know, if you can effectively run the pick and roll, if you have good guard play and bigs that can catch and finish, um, you know, you can run a good, good pick and roll in the bag and you can just throw the ball anywhere towards the top of the backboard and he'll catch it and finish it. Uh, Wendell Carter the same way. And they both have good hands. So you come off the pick and roll and you have, uh, you're going downhill, you have those guys. It's really easy to find those guys, especially above the rim. And so they're, they're utilizing that, especially in the second half. Um, you know, and what's good with Grayson and Trayvon is that both those guys are athletic. They can turn the corner and get to the basket. They can both, uh, you know, shoot the mid-range. Grace can shoot the three. Trayvon, not so much. And so, um, you know, the versatility of those guys is good. You know, the problem is is that uh, Wendell Carter especially gets into foul trouble a lot and, and, and easily. You know, they bait him into, you know, playing physical when he gets fouls. Usually his fouls come like one, two, three in a row. And uh, his first half or second half, he wasn't in foul trouble in the first half against Indiana. And then the second half, he got in a lot of foul trouble, which, uh, which hurt us. If he's fouled out or been in foul trouble in about half the games that we played in, and so we've got to show that up uh, for sure. But, you know, our our, our depth and our biggest strength on this team by far is our aggressive nature and, and our uh, the skill set of our bigs. Yeah, I mean, you think you think Wendell got uh, baited a little bit last, last night or uh, just, like, too got too intense? I, it, it seems like the fouls he's picking up are kind of when he's bodying up a little – too much, like body yeah, yeah, you, you gotta be, you gotta be smart about that. I mean, he's already a big body anyway, and strong, and he plays hard. And so sometimes he, his aggressive nature gets a little overboard, and he gets caught, you know, um, fouling. And you know, we gotta, we gotta keep him out of foul trouble. He needs to be a guy that, that, that plays thirty-two to thirty-five minutes a game for us to be successful. Um, you know, there's a huge drop off between him and Marquis, and then him and Javin. Same thing with Bagley. I mean, so those two have to play the lion's share of the minutes. Um, you know, until those other guys can come in and, 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 and make make us believers that they can, you know, you know, play ten to fifteen minutes of good side of basketball. There's definitely a drop off on the offensive end, that's for sure. Those guys are not go to players on offense. But on the defensive end I feel like they come in and they actually do a better job of making rotations, uh, you know, making uh you oh. know committing committing the help defense, uh and even transition defense. Uh I actually thought Bolden's defensive play down the stretch. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of the, the plays he made, you know, when he came in after Carter fouled out? Because it, I thought it was actually, like, cemented the game a, a bit, you know. Yeah, Bolden, uh, the last few games, he's played a lot better. Um, you know, and I expect him to be, you know, that third guy. Um, especially the first guy off the bench, you know, to really spell some minutes for Bagley and Carter. You know, he can score, he can defend. He's another guy that I get frustrated with sometimes when he, he fouls and his fouls aren't good fouls because they're not hard fouls. If you're gonna foul somebody, you need to foul them to make sure 
if they don't finish and complete the three-point play. Fallon would have to go to the free-throw line and make free throws. And sometimes, you know, he has those touch fouls that are meaningless and uh, people can finish. But, you know, he has a nice jump hook in the low post. Um, he's very, very long. When he can run the floor decently, he'll rebound for you. And, uh, you know, he had a loose ball uh, that he got on the floor for it. It really changed the trajectory of the game and uh, it was a huge play for us. For sure, yeah. Hey, Ricky, uh, Mike and I talked about this on, on the last podcast. Um, in the aftermath of the PK-80 great tournament win, uh, we, Mike and I discussed if we were actually higher or lower on the team following that tournament. What, what are your thoughts? Like at, at the conclusion of the tournament, were you were you higher or lower on, on the Duke team relative to your expectations? Well, first and foremost, um, you know, getting the win is most important. How you do it, you know, is is debatable. Um, you know, I don't like the fact that we got down in just about every game right. in the PK-80 and had to come from behind. Uh, I'd rather us play, you know, strong, you know, for the 40 minutes and then have a chance to win by 8 to 10 points and they're going away. You know, the dramatic nature of the game was just that we always were coming from behind. And I don't particularly like that. Defensively is where, for me, the letdown was. I mean, for this team to be so talented, I just don't understand, you know, why we have to go to the zone, uh, why we can't guard guys individually, uh, man-to-man. And just the way the game is going now, you know, people don't play with two bigs anymore. And so if you have two bigs, it's tough to play with two bigs. And even Bagley's a good defender. He can guard, you know, one through five on occasion. You know, it's tough for him to slide his feet against that smaller, mobile, three, four position guy that normally plays before. And so, you know, we had to go to our zone. And, you know, our zone works as, as well. But there's so many holes in different ways you can attack a zone as well. So my biggest disappointment, you know, that I would take from PK is how we failed to defend. Um, on the perimeter, guys getting to the basket, and then uh, gave up a lot of open looks. And so, yeah, transition as well. We, we really struggled getting back at uh, Michigan State. We saw that. Texas, we saw that. In Florida, we for sure saw that. Uh, so, you know, those are the those are the areas we got to show up for sure before we get into the ACC and then get into the uh, the uh, the bulk of the schedule towards the end of the year. Hey Ricky, can you talk a little bit more about the man-to-man versus uh, zone? One, did you did you ever play zone when when you were there? And uh, you guys never played zone back then, did you? Like, just like ever? that's a great question, and, and we never played zone. It had to be like an alien landing on our planet or <laughs> something crazy that was happening for us to go to zone. We were a man-to-man grind you out team, full court. Uh, half court, three quarter court, but we man to man and we were a great defensive team. And the teams that I played on and before me were great teams that won and beat you on the defensive end. And a lot has changed. And the reason why is because, you know, and Coach has said this before in his press conferences and in his media uh, um, clippings that it takes time to teach a good, solid man to man. You know, you got to have guys that are going to be there two, three, four years to be able to do that. If you get a group in, uh, for one year and you have to reteach it after, you're just not going to get it. And so because of the quick turnaround and so, so, so much turnover on our roster, he hasn't been able to put in a good man-to-man defense. But, um, you know, I'm just, I, I marvel at the fact that we can't guard like we used to, you know, when I was in school in the, in, in the mid-90s. And we, we probably have better athletes now, but we just can't stay in front of guys like we used to. And that, that kind of bothers me. Um, and I just hope that at the right time it doesn't, you know, you know, come to bite us. Well, it already has. I mean, 
basically the last three games, I mean, we... we last four games, we've given up 80 points. Which 80 is, points plus. Yeah, we're giving up... We're, we're turning the other team, I feel like, into All-Stars. looking more talented than they are on the offensive end because... I don't know what it is. What's the most difficult thing to what? What takes two or three, four years to to instill in these players? What What are the principles that these guys aren't getting? Is it Is it like a certain kind of team defense responsibility? Uh, Absolutely. There's a lot of components to being a good defensive team, and what he taught us, and it first starts with the pressure on the basketball, which I don't think we get a lot of. Grayson does, I think, the best job of it. And the, the reason why is because he's been there four years. Trayvon Duvall, I think, is a good individual defender, but he doesn't pressure the basketball like like we need to. Bobby Hurley was great at that. Steve Wojciechowski was great at that. Chris Duhon was great at that. And those are the type of guys we've had. Uh, Dockery was good at that. Pressuring the basketball. And what that does is it puts the whole um, offense in, in disarray because now you can't you know get up and down the court freely um, and move the basketball. The second part of that is denying the links. Obviously, I'm a wing player, and that was our job. Wojo would pressure the basketball. Will Avery would pressure the basketball. Myself, Chris Carroll, Trajan Langdon, Jeff Capel, we'd be on the wings tonight. So there'd be no entry passes coming in. And then, if you were to, if you were to catch the ball and drive, under no circumstances do we allow middle drives. And more times than not, I'm seeing guys give up middle drives. And it absolutely drives me crazy because that's totally against you know, what coach teaches us and what we learn at Duke. And then when there's a middle drive, you know, it breaks the defense down, you know, completely. Because now it forces help to cover situations, and now, you know, guys are open for open looks, you know, uh, for three-point shots. And so, and then the help side. You know, the help side has to be there, and more communication on defense on the back end. A couple times they ran pick and roll, Indiana did yesterday, and there was no help side on the weak side, and either got a layup or a weak side three, and that's because our help side is not there. But it all starts with pressuring the basketball, denying the wings, and the line middle drives. If we just did two of those three things, I think a lot of the games that, we, that you saw this year uh, would be easier games and we'll be, we'll be winning going away. Uh, that, that's great. That's great analysis, man. I, I couldn't agree with you more on, on every aspect. It's like as if any breakdown leads to a total breakdown on defense because the, the secondary adjustments just – Aren't happening, and when Grayson does provide that ball pressure out front, where like Wojo you know, used to, if if somebody got by Wojo and they got by him all the time, there there'd be secondary, not just help, but also that you know uh, people were more aware of uh, of the ball. I'm noticing that like you know the young guys, they they just look a little confused about what they're supposed to be doing or looking at. Um, it must be difficult coming from like AAU ball to having to take on that level of like responsibility. Uh, yeah, just from an amateur, you know, eye, it seems like that the help defense is is the, the the biggest shortcoming on this team. That Grayson applies pressure to the ball, but he 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 gets beat or he gets backdoored when he's not looking a lot. I feel like, and there's just no help when somebody gets to the basket. Absolutely, and and that's not Grayson's fault. He's supposed to deny the wing, so if, if the back door does happen, the big is supposed to be there to help. And that's Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley who aren't doing their jobs when it comes to that. I've caught uh, Trayvon Duvall and Gary Trent also 
you know, with their hand in the cookie jar and not being man helps opposition. And both of those guys, Trent and Duvall, are excellent individual defenders. I think they can keep guys in front, but I think both guys really struggle on help side. And so, um, you know, AAU was tough because high school basketball is tough because, you know, coaching is really bad at the high school level, especially at AAU where you play 50-60 games. Nobody's playing defense. Everybody's focusing on getting buckets and trying to score. And, you know, those guys can do that as well. But, I mean, if you want to win a championship, you know, it's going to have to be on a defensive end. And uh, we, we just don't play well enough on the defensive end, I think, to compete for a championship right now. Good thing is that it's only November. And we can improve upon those things. And uh, hopefully by, you know, February and March, you know, this team is a, a totally different team defensively than where it is now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I feel like, you know, we're, we're 9-0. And a lot of my friends are super ecstatic about being nine and zero and having defeated, you know, a few top ten, top five teams. But um, de- defensively, we're just—we've actually gone back in uh, the analytics uh, rankings or whatnot. Even with winning the tournament, even with beating Indiana, we're we're slowly creeping down because our defensive ranking is getting worse and worse. It's it's ranked forty sixth right now. And I just know, looking back in the last 20 years, you just can't win a championship with a defense that bad. Um, yeah. It's it's got to be like a top. Well, don't, ten, don't, top look ten. At the, don't look at the points allowed because we score a lot of points. And right. Because I, we get up and down a lot and yeah. we score a lot. You know, obviously, you know our opponent is going to score a lot too. I don't think Coach cares about that as much as he does about you know critical moments. You know, too many breakdowns defensively, um, especially in the half court situation. And then you mentioned something that is an absolute no no. I mean, we get beat, we get beat a lot in transition when guys are just not getting back on defense um, quick enough, points. and you know, guys are dunking and, and getting layups on us left and right. Now that has to change uh, and quickly before uh, we get into the uh, the meat of our schedule. Yeah, we on our last podcast we we, we singled out uh, Trayvon Duvall uh, in terms of the transition D, but just you know, really taking a closer look, I'm noticing that he kind of gets back. But he like sort of picks a guy to, to just stick with and doesn't, you know, the ball's being driven down the middle of the court and he's sort of... He like reverse cherry picks on defense. Like he just... Well, he does two he things. He's opportunistic in terms of like trying to get steals and like puts himself out of position a lot. He'll like take a stab. And, yeah. But the other thing is he, he doesn't seem to really get that it's, you know, it's a personal offense to him if this team scores... Scores a basket like there's times where he opportunistically sort of hustles, and then times when he just doesn't. But and even Bagley as well, even though Bagley's hitting the offensive board, so he's going to be out of position in transition a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, have you noticed that in particular about like uh, you mentioned Trent and Duvall in terms of uh, you know the half court? Yeah, it's not it's not anyone in particular. It's all five guys. All five guys have got to get back, and I've caught each and every one of them, you know, with their hand in the cookie jar, looking, watching. <laughs> jogging back. you got to sprint back into the paint and then find your man. And more times than not, um, you know, when we got beat in transition, all five guys didn't do that. And so, uh, you know, there's no question that Duvall is definitely uh, guilty, but so is Gary Trent. So is Grayson Mann. I've caught Wendell Carter. I've caught, I've caught them all. They all need to get back. And I'm sure Coach K is harping on that right now uh, in video sessions. And uh, So what and are these back. video sessions uh, like right now? He has a lot of the coaching staff has a lot of uh, ammunition to throw at these guys in terms of examples. Uh, are they are they really 
you know, are they going to spend the next three or four weeks over the break just hammering hammering these points, or do they not want to kind of no be too negative? No know, question. Uh, you know, I think video is a great learning tool. And, um, you know, when I was at Duke, you know, we spent endless hours watching tape, tape of practice, tape of games, tape of scrimmages, tape of individual workouts, tape period. And, uh, you know, tape is such a great learning tool because tape doesn't lie. You know, you can say that you were there, but okay, well, let's see the tape and see if you were there. Sure enough, you weren't there. And so, you know, this is, it's a great learning tool. And, and he's going by each individual, collectively and individually, like, look, this is what we got to do. And this is how we got to do it. And I think when you see yourself on tape where you should where you should be as opposed to where you were, I think it really helps. And um, so you best believe that they're going over that. Look, you know, we're talking about a good team that has played the season started less than 30 days ago. You know, we're nine games in. This is a relatively early season, and we're nine and up. Um, you know, this team is not perfect, and, and it, it, it has some it has some failings. But you know, coach is the best in the business. It's, if anybody can fix any wrongdoings and and take something and uh, and totally give it a 360 spin and make it a lot better, you know, Coach K on the basketball court can do that, and uh, and he will. Yeah. I expect this team to be a whole lot better on December 30th than we are on November 30th. Yeah, for sure. Right. For sure, Ricky. Like, on the positive side, I can't remember after the Indiana game if it was Coach K or if it was Jay Billis who said that this Duke team has demonstrated that it can defend. It can defend man-to-man in the last four minutes of a game. And over the last three or four games, it seems like they're on pretty lockdown defense. Maybe we've just gotten lucky that the other team is just missing shots. But it seems like they could play defense. They just don't do it for, for some reason, like the, thir- the first 20, 30 minutes of the game. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that college is so much different than the pros is that every possession is important in college. And you'll see that in the playoffs in the pros where every possession is important. But in the regular season, like, people take, they, they take time off you know, during games, especially on defense. You can't do that in college because it changes so, it changes so quickly. And so we got to get back to playing sound defense for 40 minutes. And that can be done. It's been done before for the last 35 years in the Coach K. It can be done now. we got to get collectively, you know, five guys at a time to do it. And uh, they'll, they'll, figure out, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. But having said this, <laughs> this team is still 9-0 and ranked number one in the country. Yes. <laughs> on the cusp of becoming, becoming better. So, I mean, if this is, if this is, <laughs> if this is what greatness is, uh, right now, with, with the possibility of getting better, I, I think we're we're in pretty good shape. We're in pretty good shape. Yeah, we're complaining about nine and zero and like incredible comeback victories against really good teams on national TV. We we beat Michigan State without Bagley in the game most of the game. Like this is a this is an exciting team, no no doubt about it. I, what what's been the most surprising thing to you on the positive side uh, in terms of like a guy you didn't expect to contribute? Or, uh, you know, any, anyone doing things you didn't expect going into the year? Or? It's got to be uh, Alex O'Connell. Um, you know, he has been a pleasant surprise. I mean, he's an energizer bunny off the, off the bench. I got a chance to spend some time with him this summer uh, at Fantasy Camp. He was one of the coaches on, uh, on my team oh, uh, that I coached with, along with Quinn Cook. And, uh, you know, he, he can play. I mean, that kid, he has... He has a nastiness to him. He hustles. He goes hard. He can hit the, the wide open three. He'll drive. He's sneaky athletic. But most of his stuff is energizer plays. He reminds me a lot of, of Grayson his freshman year where he'd come in and do something, do something electrifying, you know, in, 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 uh, in brief minutes. 
And so him coming off the bench on the perimeter, you know, gives a chance for us to spell Grayson and spell Trayvon and spell Gary Trent, you know, some minutes. And if we can uh, continue to have that trend, I think I think he'll be okay. But he's going to be a three- or four-year guy, and uh, he has a chance to be really, really good. He's been the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, yeah, me for too. Sure. We love Alex O'Connell. He, he like moves off the ball really well. He's he's yeah. You know, the, he's providing some of that ball pressure you were talking about earlier, Ricky. The, the most surprising thing about him is we thought he would just come in and maybe be like a three point specialist, but he's actually like a playmaker on both the offensive and defensive end. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I remember watching tape for him in high school. I'm like, I don't know about this kid, but he's sneaky, athletic, and he I'm six six legit, and he was taller than me. Really? Uh, he's thin, but I mean, he's wiry. Uh, he can jump. He had one game, I might have been against Texas or Florida, where there was a rebound, and Baggy had a chance to get it, Wendell Carter had a chance to get it, and then out of nowhere, Alex disguised out of nowhere and gets the offensive rebound. I mean, I mean he he has a chance. And we've been fortunate to, you know, to, to have those types of kids that can, you know, like, where did this guy come from? Even a guy like Luke Kennard, like, ah, I don't know. And then he's like... This dude can play. Grayson's like that. Like, who is, who is this guy? So, yeah, I mean, uh, Alex is another one of those. Who is this guy? He's, he's just one of those guys. Yeah, he had even less of a reputation than those guys coming in. And I just right. think he you know, he made a couple plays in transition, a couple catches and finishes that I was pretty blown very away Very athletic. By. Very athletic finishes. He, yeah, did, yeah. he did get swatted down low in the Indiana game, but, you know, overall still – so pretty good game. So what, reading the tea leaves on uh, sort of who Coach K has confidence in early in the season and his rotations, Ricky, what, what have you noticed? I mean, obviously he's, he's gone to O'Connell in like critical minutes, and that's, that's been a, a development that we didn't expect. But like uh, he's, he's been playing the starters a lot of minutes, and but, you know, at one point he kind of sat Duvall down towards the end of the Texas game. Uh, how do you how do you feel he's been managing the uh, the rotations, the starters, and the bench? Is there anything you're noticing? That... What? Absolutely. Traditionally, you know, coach goes seven, eight guys max. Traditionally, usually seven. That's just that's just his thing. And uh, but you know, when you have a deeper team, you got to go to your bench. But how do you sit Marvin Bagley? <laughs> how do you sit Wendell Carter? Those guys are playing so good. How do you sit Grayson Allen? I mean. If Grayson Allen can play 35 minutes and not be tired because of his condition, you want to have him out there for that much time. But foul trouble, you know, and rest, you want to get those other guys in. Um, you know, he's been going with Javin, he's been going with uh, Marquise, and he's been going with Alex O'Connell. And then sparingly, you know, we'll see um, we'll see um, Goldwire come in here and there, but traditionally, really, those are your eight guys that he's going with. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, li- I like I like that he's showing confidence in, in each of the bench guys that he's playing, and that there's like some there seems to be some some predictability. Probably that that's probably better if you're on the bench to at least kind of know what your role is going to be, right? Do you think there's there's room for any big dynamic changes? I mean, nobody's cracking the starting lineup, right? Like zero chance. No, no, no. I don't think the starting lineup is set, and, and it should be like that. Um, I like to see Marquise do more. Um, you know, he's a guy, you know, who has NBA aspirations. I think his output is not enough to warrant, you know, a draft pick in the first or second round, what he's showing us. Um, if he if he wants to up that and, and, and get his name out there in that position, he needs to he needs to play considerably better. I love Javin. 
Jalen's another energizer bunny. He's had some incredible block shots. He's long defensively. You know, he's, he's doing a lot of great things for us offensively. He seems like he's kind of still finding his way, which is okay because we got guys that can score the basketball. But Marquise, Marquise is the guy, you know, who I think can be that, 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 that sixth guy who can really just, you know, separate himself. And he hasn't done that quite yet. So yeah. you know, he was out a little bit early, uh, you know, with the injury and sickness. Um, so I'm, I'm waiting for him to turn the corner. I think if he can turn the corner, it just makes us that much better. And he had the kind of story of two halves for him last night. He came in in the first half and looked completely confused and befuddled for like two minutes. They pulled him. They like he looked bad. And then in the second half, he comes in and he's a bit of a hero. And like he's the only guy I'm sort of concerned about his mental state. Um, everyone else seems very comfortable in their role. So I think there that's going to be sort of an interesting story to follow all year. And, you know, just rooting for the guy. You know. Yeah, well, rooting for him in the sense that. He, he really only gets, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you know, maybe a little bit less in critical games, and it must be tough for him just to get into the flow of the game because he's only in for three, four-minute stretches. You know, the mindset might be, I can't make any mistakes while I'm on the floor. Yeah. Well, the big thing with him is that we're going to need him. Like I said, Wendell Carter is going to get in foul trouble. I mean, I, I think just his aggressiveness, his strength, he doesn't know how to control his body just quite yet. He's going to get in foul trouble. So when he does, we need that other guy to step in. That guy has to be Marquise. But I think confidence is definitely an issue. I think the Indiana game is going to help him because uh, the Indiana game, you know, he played well. Um, that loose ball that he got was, was critical, and his teammates rallied behind him and, you know, really big up him for making that great play. Um, you know, he's got to be a guy that can, that can do more, and he can. I've seen him play – at a high level, and there have been times where I talked to Jeff Capel, and including Bagley and and Marquise Bolden was the best player in practice today. Like, wow. how can that be? Wow! And we haven't seen that guy yet, and he's there. We haven't seen him yet, and so if he can give us that added punch, you know, it just makes us even more lethal. And then we're going to need another guard. Alex, I think, is playing, you know, good. But can we expect him to play well like that the whole season? I don't know. Who's going to be that other guy on the perimeter that's going to step up and maybe have a chance to uh, to play on the perimeter? Is there a guy um, on, the, on the bench that they're talking about? Uh, I guess Goldwire. Well, yeah. Got what some did minutes. you What did you think about Goldwire's defense in the few minutes he's been in? I mean, Goldwire's been good. He's serviceable. He comes in. You know, he spells Trayvon Duvall. He does a decent job. He plays like a freshman. Uh, he makes a lot of freshman mistakes, but his energy's there. The defense is there, but. You can just tell, I mean, sometimes he's overmatched, um, overmatched by the moment uh, at times. And, and that's okay. I mean, some freshmen are like that. And so he's another three- or four-year guy that's going to be there and he's going to have to learn the ropes and, and figure it out. But, you know, um, it'll be tough for him to play in those bigger games. You see, Coach hasn't gone to him um, really at all in the past three or four games. You know, he played against, you know, the Southerns and the South Dakotas and stuff like that. But... You know, against Florida, Texas, and Indiana, I mean, he wasn't able to get on the floor. And that's just because Duvall was playing so well, you know, Grayson's playing some point, and Alex is playing well. Gary Trent, there's only so many minutes on the perimeter. But i like to see another perimeter guy step up outside of Alex just to give us that added bench presence. Right. I mean, we we thought it was a little bit interesting in the Michigan State game where Coach played both uh, Goldwire and Duvall together. Uh, but it seems like, um, especially in the last four or five games, when Duvall is struggling, 
He's not going to Goldwire. He's he's putting the ball into into Grayson's hands and telling him to facilitate the offense. And pleasantly, I feel like the offense is maybe flowing better with Grayson coordinating and running the offense. I think it's different, right? For sure. It's just a different offense. Grayson Grayson is a threat to take that perimeter shot, and Duvall's a threat to, to penetrate. And so like it's a, definitely a different dynamic, which is cool that we can throw two completely different sort of uh, primary ball handlers you know, as a as a changeup at a team, maybe they're they're good at uh, defending like you know ball screens where both guys can go to the basket, but they're not as good at you know going over screens. So, what what do you think, Rick? Yeah, I mean, I like Trayvon Duvall. I like him a lot. Um, you know, he does a lot of he does a lot of good things out there. He has a couple mental lapses as well. He is a freshman. Um, you know, Grayson. It's, I mean, he's more experienced in the season. You can just tell how he plays. You know, he's a veteran. He plays like it. You know, Duvall, you know, makes a, Duvall made a play yesterday. almost drove me crazy. I almost, like, lost my mind. It was like a three-on-one break. The fast break, right? And I think he wanted to, yeah, yeah he yeah. wanted to pass it and then end up being a shot. Yeah, he didn't and know what to do. It was one of the worst plays. Yeah, it was like, what are you doing? A- and that's just a freshman play. But, you know, then I'd see him come down and break guys down off the dribble and then, you know, find Bagley for a wide-open dunk. Or I see him in transition, you know, getting the outlet and going, you know, the whole way and finishing at the rim. I mean, then I see him finishing high above. I mean, he's he's sensational to watch. But, you know, uh, yeah, I think he's their special. style of play is a little bit different. But they complement each other well, though. Yeah, he's special yeah. in transition. There's yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, that one play... I just felt like you got kind of wrong-footed. Yeah, but what, what, at, in the aftermath of that play, I was like, his decision-making has to improve, and it will because he's a freshman and he's going to get better. But I, I, I go back to something in the first four games. Duvall was playing great, dishing out a ton of assists, not turning the ball over. And in post-game interview, he was like, you know, a lot of times Coach K just instills in me Sometimes a simple play is the best play. And I feel like a lot of times Trey is thinking on like another level where he wants to do something spectacular instead of maybe just doing the simple play. Well, he got stuffed by the rim on that one dunk attempt against Florida, against Florida which is, you know. Uh, but, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I absolutely gonna... agree with you guys. And uh, he, you know, in high school, he was able to do that and get away with that. And you get the oohs and ahs from the crowd. But in college, the simple two-hand bounce pass is the right play instead of a behind-the-back, you know, no look the other way. And uh, he gets caught in the, you know, trying to do too much of the razzle-dazzle and just keeping it simple. But when he keeps it simple and plays within himself, um, you know, he is he is, he is is one of the better guards in the country. So, you know, we, uh, we just got to keep working with him. And he's very coachable. He's a great kid. I spent some time with him in practice and before. He wants to, he wants to learn and get better. And Coach K does a phenomenal job with point guards, and you know he's going to be an entirely different player come February. And uh, I mean, if that's the case, you know that just makes us a whole lot better. For sure, yeah. we're looking forward to that. There's a so. lot of room for obvious improvement, despite the sort of great, really great play on offense we're already already have just in November. It's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Hey, Ricky, how difficult is it for a team, a young team, or any real college team to? Fly to Portland, spend the better part of a week there, uh, sleep somewhere foreign, essentially, to what they're used to, and then have to take a red-eye flight back to the East Coast and uh, get to class for Monday morning after playing Sunday. Yeah, I think Coach K said they flew back in Monday at 9 a.m., and then they're there only for like 
30 hours maybe, and then they fly they gotta, Tuesday afternoon to Indiana. they got to fly to that environment. Like, that's yeah. the most exciting game at Indiana for the last so many years. And, like, by the way, it's a pretty well-coached team. Archie Miller is, like, a really good young coach who uh, used to kill us with those three-pointers in the ACC play. But uh, how, how tough is it for them to sort of have to you – know, what? How, how tough was the gauntlet they just ran, essentially? Uh, you know, should we be I mean, a little it's, it's really tough. I mean, you know, these guys say they want to be NBA players, and that's an NBA schedule. That's what an NBA schedule would do. And you'll have that about six or seven times through an 82-game season. And what a great preview to see what it is to go uh, East Coast to West Coast and then back to the East Coast, you know, for another game. And, uh, you know, Coach does a great job. You know, luckily now I think the budget is good enough now in the athletic department where they can fly Coach and stretch out a little bit, um, you know, and have the perks of, you know, staying in a nice hotel and getting a good sleep. But, you know, the focus has got to be there. And there's no better guy in the business than to keep guys focused than Coach K. And, uh, and also your adrenaline. I mean, you're playing in the PK-80 first annual tournament with Nike, all the Nike, uh, you know, uh, Hoopla, uh, Phil Knight, uh, the new gear, the new unis. You want to you wanna be a part of something like that. You got all the premier times. And so, guys, you know, this is why you go to Duke, you know, to play in events uh, like that, to play in tournaments like that. And then you come back and play in the AC Big Ten Challenge at Indiana. You know, and so, you know, it was a hell of a week for those kids, but I thought they handled it masterfully, and uh, they came out of there, you know, undefeated. And so, uh, but to answer your question, it's extremely tough, but, you know, if you manage it well and you have good leadership from the top, which Coach K gives you, you know, it's very manageable, and uh, and we saw that. Hey, Ricky, let me, let me ask you a question about uh, Coach K and, and how he interacts with these uh sort of transcendent players. I'm, I'm trying to think back to your, your playing days at Duke. You probably crossed paths with uh, Grant Hill while you were visiting. and, and we maybe... had a close relationship with Grant, right? Like you told us in the last one. Yeah. Sort of a... So, like, I mean, we, we're going through, like, a relatively – we're going to go through an easier patch where they're, they're probably going to be looking at a lot of film. Like, what's what's Coach K like when he's interacting with the Leitner or Grant Hill or a Reddick or a Marvin Bagley? Is he – is he just as hard? Is he harder on those guys because they have so much more talent? What's he like? That's a good question. And, you know, I tell people all the time, if you're the premier player, if you're the number one player in the country, a top three player in the country, you want to go to Duke. Because Coach K does an incredible job with the best players. The list goes on and on. Jabari Parker, Kyrie Irving, R.J. Barrett next year, you know, Marvin Bagley this year. He just does an incredible job. He's going to let you go. And one thing the coach has done, if you have a horse, you got to let him run. I'm not going to take the ball out of Kyrie Irving's hand and tell him he needs to run, you know, uh, um, an equal opportunity offense. No, I'm going to put the ball in Kyrie Irving's hand and, and let him do his thing. If you have those type of players, you got to let him play. And so if you're a premier guy, you want to go to Duke because coach is going to let you play. Same reason why the guys in the Olympics and the NBA love them so much, because they, he lets you play. I mean, there's there's no rules, there's no regulations. He wants you to do your thing. And if doing your thing helps us win, and we can collectively do it together, he's all for it. I mean, I see Bagley getting 35 points and 18 rebounds, and I'm smiling like, yeah. His coach is going to go to him every time. If, if Bagley can get 50 coach will allow it that he can get 50 because that's what's needed for us to win. How much fun are these guys having coaching these kids, getting this level of talent? Like, 
like you talk to to some of the coaches, you have personal relationships. What, what's the vibe? You're, you know, what are they telling you? Are they are they just like can't believe how good these guys are? Is it fun? Is it just more challenging that to kind of get the right juice out of these guys, given that they have like you know deservedly healthy egos? Yeah, I mean, you know, they don't look at it. Coach K doesn't look at it like Jeff Cable doesn't look at it like that. Look, this is a great player, and because we've had so many, I'm not surprised. You know, when you get a guy, you know, who's a McDonald's All-American who goes to, I don't know, say Davidson. I mean, for them, it's like, it's a big deal. We get McDonald's All-Americans every year. We get top three players every year. And so now it's like plug and play. We're going to put you in a position that best, you know, describes your skill set, and we're going to let you do your thing. And Jason Tatum, um, Jabari Parker, Justice Winslow, Okafer, all those guys have benefited from the system and their skill set. And when you put it together, usually you get, you know, an incredible outcome. Hopefully, it ends up being a national championship. It hasn't always been that case. But usually, you know, you get a 31 season and, you know, a conference tournament championship or ACC conference tournament championship, a PK-80 or something, you know, that's memorable. And, um, you know, year after year, he's able to do that. So given given the expectations, what, what, for fans, maybe – you know, what, what should our expectations be of this team? Yeah, Ricky, uh, Mike, Mike and I, every podcast so far this season, we discuss, we speculate how many losses for this team this year. Yeah. Uh, like what's, what's, if, what's, if, what's our final record going to be? Yeah, how many, how many losses do you think it's fair to expect this team to have? Is there a chance this team, you know, as they improve, I mean, the way they're playing now, they're probably going to lose some games, but, you know, if they keep playing defense like this, but, you know, uh, are you expecting this team to win the national championship? Are you expecting this team to go to the Final Four? Are they expecting it? Should fans expect I, it? I expect, I expect a national championship. I mean, I expect a national championship. <laughs> right. From what I've seen thus far in the rest of the country, I think we have the most talent, but we had a, we had the most talent last year too. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it has to all, it has to all come together. And, you know, this team is totally different than last year's team. And so, you know, I think we have the ingredients – to win it all. Um, you know, I think this team is going to lose, you know, two or three times, maybe even four times. And I think a great team should lose one or three times during the course of the year. So you know what it is to lose. Right. You know what it is to come back from a loss. You know what it is that you got yourself in a position to lose. And so, you know, when you go undefeated like Kentucky did uh, that year, that was uh, with 15, they were undefeated and they ended up losing the tournament to Wisconsin who we ended up being for a national championship. I think if that team would have lost once or twice during the year, it would have voted well for them, you know, towards the end of the year. You know, so I think we need to lose a couple of times so we know what losing feels like. Uh, we know how it stings and we know how to stay away from, you know, those pitfalls going into, you know, the uh, the tournament late and then, you know, obviously winning the tournament. So, uh, but I, I expect the national championship, period. Those are high aspirations, and, and we hope it comes true. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard not to hope and expect for that, given what we, we've seen, and just the, the the ceiling on this team is as high as... For sure, the ceiling and the talent is really high. Yeah. I, I feel like for the fan base or for Duke Nation, I feel like expectations <clears throat> might be a bit unrealistic right now, though. Yeah, well, well I mean, obviously, Duke is competing for a national championship every year. Realistically... There's only a couple of years that we really have a chance to do it. We had a chance to do it in 15. Uh, we had a chance to do it in, in 91, 92. You know, we had a chance to do it in 98, 99. 
and and in ninety eight ninety nine we those that, that was my senior we we didn't do it we, we didn't we, we couldn't get it done you know, but we realistically had a chance to do it this is one of those years where you know we we have an absolute chance to do it you know will we have any injuries obviously that's going to play a part in the equation you know when we come across a team that's just more talented I can't see that happening but if all things are equal this is the most talented team in the country so if that's the case. I think we have a great chance of winning a national championship. Outstanding. Yeah. Appreciate your, uh, right. your breakdown of uh, last night's game, of the, the PK, and how things are going. Pete, do you have any kind of last questions? we got to let Ricky go. In a, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, Ricky, I, we're, we're on the same page. We're hoping for a national championship. Just looking at the last few years, the teams that have gotten there, the Villanova, the UNC in back-to-back years, the Gonzaga they're sort of like junior and senior laden teams, teams that have developed chemistry over two or three years. They've got you know guys who have gone through the gauntlet. I mean, I'm hoping for Duke to get there. Um, it just you know feels like through the course of the NCAA tournament, it's, it's obviously incredibly tough. Well, Duke in 15, we were just as young. We had some senior leadership with Quinn Cook. Hey, Ricky, did you notice Grayson talking about Quinn Cook in that post game interview after one of the first after the Michigan State game? And uh, have you heard anything from the coaching staff sort of about his mental state as a leader and how he's performing kind of not even on, on the court in the, in the games but behind closed doors in practice? Uh, you know. Yeah, I've been to a couple of practices and I've seen him. I think he's done a great job, you know, being a leader. If you notice in the huddles, he's always in the huddle, bringing everybody together. He's always the one, you know, saying something and, and uh, offering some advice, offering encouragement. And uh, I think he's done a great job. You know, listen. This is a kid who was crucified last year, you know, for the incidents and the immaturity that he showed. Rightfully so. But, you know, I think he's made a total transformation. There's been a couple times where they tried to rattle his cage this year, and he didn't take the bait. He didn't take the bait. And, uh, you know, he was uh, an outstanding citizen, and he was mature about it. And, you know, I think it comes with, you know, maturation. And I think over four years, he's, he's seen that this is what it takes to be a leader. And they need him. Because when you have a young team like this, you have to have a guy or two that you can look to for stability and for leadership. And I think Grayson has done a great job uh, of doing that. And he learned that from Quinn Cook. He learned that from, um, you know, who's the point? Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith. You know what I'm saying? And, so, and, and, and the beat goes on. And so that's why it's good to have. Listen, if, if, if Carolina could have had some one and duns in the last two years, they would have had one and duns. Unfortunately, they did it, and so Roy won a different type of way, you know, and that way was having three- and four-year guys stay together and, and do it that way, and that was their recipe. And in the past for us, we've had a, a good mix of, you know, outstanding freshmen and then a couple upperclassmen who have been good. And so this year, you know, we kind of have that with Grayson, and we have obviously, you know, four or five great, you know, for really good freshmen. So that's how we're going to have to do it. Yeah. Hopefully it all works out and messes together. We can get it done. Overall, very happy with Grayson. I was worried a little bit in the Portland State game. It seemed like that was the first game where he was sort of engaging in the negativity and the chippiness and the back and forth, and he got teed up. But I was ecstatic with him in the Indiana game. I mean, he, there was, a, I want to say he got a really hard foul when he was driving to the basket, and he just popped right back up and went to the free throw line and knocked down the free throws. And winning is the ultimate answer to hostility or a hostile environment. And, you know, hopefully that trend continues and. Yeah. You know, avoid all the really the entire the entire team is handling itself with incredible incredible, po- poise. incredible poise yeah. in class. Like, you know, for for having such a big target on their back and having to deal with these in game 
you know, the second half deficits. Like they just kept it together. Very impressive. Um, I'm sure you agree, right, Rick? <laughs> I mean, these guys have poor aspirations. Like Gary Trent, for example, he handles himself like a pro. And, you know, the reason why is because his dad was in the league. He saw his dad prepare. His dad has taught him how to prepare. And so how he goes about his business is very professional-like. And so, you know, the transition for Gary Trent's going to be seamless because he's, it's like he's been there before. Marvin Bagley the same way. I mean, he, he carries himself like a pro. You know what I'm saying? Wendell Carter, he carries himself like a pro. And these guys are not, you know, lollygagging and practicing and going through the motions. You know, they prepare as if they're preparing for something, and, and they are. You know, to win here at Duke, and individually, you know, they're preparing, you know, for the next level, which, you know, just about all these guys are going to be out of here in April, May, you know, uh, going to the draft. I think there's a chance any any of the uh, guys we think are one and dones may may not be. Uh, if I had my druthers, it could be a guy like Gary Trent. I mean, I think Gary Trent is is good enough to to, to go to the league. Uh, you know, this year his numbers are solid. Um, I don't know how the NBA feels about him though. Mm-hmm. I know they love Trayvon Duvall. I know they love Wendell Carter. And, they, and everyone, you know, who's anyone loves Marvin Bagley. I mean, I'm a general manager, and I have the number one pick, and his name is not called. I mean, this guy's <laughs> going to be fired, like, immediately if you don't take him number one. So, you know uh, yeah, what I'm saying? Um, but Gary Trent, it's not like he is, you know, buzzing as a, as a first-round pick, uh, at least that I know of. But we'll see. I mean, that could, that could all change. But, you know, he's a guy that, you know, um, he, he could come back. And I don't know how that works with R.J. Barrett and Reddish, and Reddish and those guys coming in, but you know you got a guy like Gary Trink in the back. That's not that's not a bad deal, but he'll probably end up leaving too. But of all the guys, he may be the one um, that, that could possibly stay. Since you mentioned the next year's recruits, Cam Reddish and Barrett and, and Tyus's brother Trey, uh, obviously huge recruits, all committed to Duke early. Uh, could you give me give us like 30, 60 seconds just on how? How good you think those guys are, and what they mean to the you know for next year, and then we'll then well, we'll I let was you go here for Reddish's and Trey Jones' visit, and I saw them play. So you did, and uh, they were unbelievable. And Trey Jones, believe it or not, I think is better than Tyus Jones, and I love Tyus. Trey is just way more athletic, more physical. Is he bigger? He stronger, right? well. It's, A little stronger. Is he bigger? Yeah, his body is incredible. Muscles in his shoulders and his neck. I mean, he's physical and athletic. You know, Tyus wasn't really, really athletic. Tyus, yeah. I thought, had a great floor game. Uh, they both passed very similar. Uh, I think Tyus was a better shooter, but I think Trey's a better scorer. Trey may end up being a better player, and Tyus was awfully good. Cam Reddish, is, he reminds me of Tracy McGrady. Um, that's how good he is. Damn. I mean, <laughs> he has that lackadaisical, you know, trot and walk, but, I mean, when he turns it on, I mean, he is unbelievable. Yeah, well, and then, you know, you've seen R.J. RJ Barrett. I mean, he's just, it's James Harden all over again with him. I mean, he can get a bucket at any time, anywhere. Those, and, those two uh, guys are... The one, two, and three is, is awesome. And what I'm hearing is there's a lot of grumblings about Zion Williamson possibly coming to Duke as no, well. No, talk, talk, talk to us about uh, Zion. Listen, listen, listen lately hearing? I've been hearing a lot of grumblings about that. He's, he's seen Duke play early this year. He sees himself. He has a great relationship with Coach. Don't be surprised 
Don't be surprised if he swings our way. Hey, Ricky, Ricky, if Zion Williamson commits to Duke, I mean, would you feel bad or embarrassed or like, like yeah. it's just it's just too much, isn't it? Like, how, how can we get every single guy? Yeah, I mean, the rich get richer. Right. And, and that's what Duke does. I mean, you know, if, when you see guys produce at the level they produce, and when you see guys who are able to get out of there and go to the NBA in one or two years, you want to do the same thing. Right. And four or five years in a row now, Coach has done that. And all guys are going, you know, lottery pick, first round, early second round, they're all going to the NBA. And so now it's working. Duke is getting what it wants, which is, you know, championships, good seasons, final fours, situations where, you know, uh, you know, we're a premier team in college basketball. Individually, the players are getting what they want, which is to go to the next level and play in the NBA. And, you know, and the Duke brand is as hot as it's ever been. And Zion Williamson sees that. He sees it. I, I, wouldn't, I would not be surprised if he came to Duke as well. And it's over. You, those four guys <laughs> on the court at the same time? It's not going to be right. But, but so, Ricky, <laughs> you don't even feel a little bit bad for all the other coaches, all the other teams? You don't feel like, you know, a little something? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> but you had a chance to recruit these guys just like we did. Of course. And, you know, we've had, we, we, we've had great teams that haven't been successful as well. I mean, last year's team I thought was a huge disappointment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And we had the number one recruiting class in the nation, and we weren't able to get it done with all that talent. And so just because you have the talent doesn't mean that you're going to win. But it, it, it makes me feel good if I have horses, you know, in my stable. i tell you that. Well, I mean, you, you said it best. The rich is going to get richer. But I still feel a little queasy. I mean, I'm just enjoying watching these guys play. And I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm happy we're going to get some incredible guys to watch next year. And we can root for them when they're in the NBA, NBA as well. Which sure. Is, which is, makes the NBA more fun, you know. So sure. It's, uh, it's great times, man. Thanks so much for coming on, Rick. Thank uh, you so much, Ricky. Your thoughts continue to be uh, really clear and really smart. Uh, we just love all your observations. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're going to keep asking you to come on uh, as often as you're, you're willing to let us. So. Uh, oh, absolutely, man. Anytime, man. I really enjoy you guys. You know, we share the same sentiment, and uh, obviously, you know, we have Duke at heart. And you know, I'm I'm incredibly tough for me because listen, some things, you know. We haven't done as well uh, as a program this year, you know, playing on the basketball court. But for the most part, nine games in, this team has been has been stellar and exciting to watch. Man, I just hope it continues. All right. Well, uh, have a great rest of your day. Hope your middle school. Uh, hope the kid plays great. Kid plays good, and uh, their team wins. And uh, have a great. Uh, Great oh, holidays which, coming up. Yeah, let's let's give a shout out. We'll, a shout out to his. his yeah, yeah, Those yeah. game ready skills and development, Ricky. Oh, absolutely. Game Ready Skills and Development, the premier uh, training development company in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, we do camps, clinics, uh, individual training, group training. Um, and, uh, you know, we're looking to better lives through, through basketball. And uh, we've done extremely well up to this point. So, and if, it, if uh, a. supporting everybody else's man, let's just continue to keep it going. So, if somebody has a, you know, kid is into basketball in, in your general neck of the woods down near Charlotte. Uh, and they bring their their kid in uh, to you know to utilize your your some of your coaching and training. Are they going to actually get Ricky Price? Are they going to they going to interact with you? Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm in the forefront of all the training. I have three guys that work underneath me, two assistant basketball coaches, and one speed and agility coach. And so I'm not a guy who's just directing. I'm actually doing the training myself. And it's important, obviously, uh, if we grow and get bigger as we are. 
I'm not going to be able to touch every kid. I will have, you know, other trainers that are going to, you know, work with different kids. But for the most part, you know, I like to spend time with the parents and with the kids and, uh, and helping them, you know, with their overall game. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the back, I'm not in the background. I'm in the forefront. Uh, that's great, man. Sounds great. I, I got two boys. They're only two years old and five years old, but I'm going to move down to your, your neck of the woods so they they can uh, they can go to game ready. You fly, know, maybe fly them out there for a week. What age? What age should they start, Rick? Like you know, maybe six, seven, eight years old. How? When can they come into your to your facility? Yeah, so I usually start around nine, but usually you know parents are are, are nagging me about about seven and eight year olds. So usually I make some uh, concessions there, but. You know, right around eight or nine years old, they can comprehend and understand what's going on. Um, I don't want to babysit. I want to teach. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you know, for the most part, a uh, nine-year-old can pretty much comprehend. Sometimes at six, seven, it's more like, stop this. Stop playing. Stop doing that. Yeah, you no, you can't have more water. No, you can't. No, you can't go to the bathroom. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to teach. I do have to give one quick shout out to a Charlotte product. Luke May is playing fantastic for UNC right now. Uh, yeah. Luke May is Luke playing May good, is good for uh, for Carolina right now. But I keep telling Carolina fans, if Luke May is your best player, <laughs> you guys are in trouble. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, hopefully uh, we're not going to give him too much bulletin board material. Uh, I guess I'm not so scared of Luke May, but I'm, I'm impressed that he's putting putting his game together so well. Thanks again, Rick, for coming on. Uh, you know, uh, keep keeping it real, and uh, uh, we just appreciate it. All right? Absolutely, man. You guys need me anytime, man. Let me know. Thanks again. Thank you, Rick. Okay. All right. Well, that was uh, that was the great Ricky Price. Ricky Price 2.0. Man. Do you think it matched or exceeded Ricky Price 1.0? The most uh, critically acclaimed DBJ pod of all time? <laughs> For those of you who haven't listened to his our interview with him the first time, it, we're not particularly good interviews. We're not professional at this or anything. But he he was so candid and open about his experience at Duke, the good and the bad. He played from '94 to '98, if you don't know. Yeah, he was our classmate. Actually, we came in the same year. We were freshmen together. We didn't know him personally, but uh, we enjoyed rooting for him, and we were always a little. You know, uh, a little um, wistful. Un- yeah, we just we, the end of his career wasn't as as strong as it, as it should have been, really, for his level of talent. And he he got into it with us and uh, super candid. Yeah, it was just it was we really really enjoyed having him on the first time. And then we talked a little basketball and every he's, every he answer talking about everything. Yeah, he's Kyrie, just, NBA, yeah, he's terrific. coaches. Yeah. Coaching pedigree, everything. So thanks again, Ricky, for coming on and uh, You're making great. us look good or improving our our, our amateurs podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, what did you, you know, do? You have any specific thoughts about anything he said? I mean, I just I'd love to list, go back and listen to it again. And um, you know, I, I love some of the inside baseball stuff where you know uh, you know you got the he's noticing the Grayson's leadership in practice. He's hearing. I mean, Grayson as a leader seems great. I mean, I, I think he's doing a great job. The Indiana game, really, that one just, he, he could have done something, but he was just quick to hop on his feet and get to the free throw line and yeah. just brush it off like it's nothing. It's nothing to me. I'm mentally strong. I'm not going to be, you know, mentally weak. And he was focused. And he's just always, you know, what do you think he says in those huddles? <laughs> you need to box out better. You know, let's run back on transition D. Let's win. Uh, I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like the 
he's he's a he's very positive. He just seems very positive, very motivating. Yeah. He had a uh, he, I mean, we talk about Bagley, but he had a great game against Indiana. You know, seven for twelve. He had some high difficult high high degree of difficult shots that he was you know he was making. He had that super athletic dunk that was very nice. Really good finish on that dunk. He hit a very pivotal 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 pivotal. Pivotal free three pointer, really important three point shot. Probably edit that out. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> yeah, he hit a th- really important three three pointer uh, down the stretch and made it. But it was the ball fake, the dribble to the left, get separation, yeah. and then it's beautiful. Yeah, Grayson Grayson had like a very like almost like a quiet 20, 20 points. Like I looked up and he had twenty, and I was like, wow, okay, yeah, you know, because he he wasn't very ball dominant. Um, he took, he took, you know, he took a couple of shots I wouldn't, you know, I was like, nah, I don't take that one. But then one or two of those actually went in. Um, so, uh, Bagley, you know, Bagley continues to, his numbers weren't as big in this Indiana game. Like, you know, he didn't have 30 and 50. <laughs> he didn't have 30. talking about? His numbers weren't as big as those other games. He didn't have 36 and 15. But, just but, stop. no, I'm just saying, but I actually thought he played better. I thought he had a more effective game. So yeah. his rebounding numbers were a little bit down, but it was mostly, I think, because he was on the perimeter defending. Yeah. They were switching him out and pulling him away from the basket. It felt like he created his shot more down on the paint. You know, took like one or two dribbles, got a little closer, and you just, I mean, how can you how can you stop that guy? A friend of mine asked I mean, me, a friend of mine who's not a dookie, he's like, why, why don't they just give him the ball every time? Well, they kind of are. I mean, are they? Yeah, I mean they're they're running the offense. There was one time where he didn't get the ball where he should have, yeah. and I love that he like threw a little fit about it. You know, like demand, he was really demanding the ball. It was Duval didn't quite get him the ball. They didn't have the angle. The the, the defender kind of overplayed, um, and then Grace ended up taking it, taking the shot. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I mean Bagley, I, they are running the offense ba- through Bagley him, especially when they need baskets. Yeah. Bagley and Grayson are playing great. I hope. Trent's, Trent finds his shot. He's, yeah. he's still sort of like looking for a shot down in the paint and little floaters just outside of the three. He's sort of struggling. But, I mean, given his free throw shooting, I mean, he's <clears throat> it's just got to be bad luck. Yeah, he's clearly running bad on the shot. Maybe he's like, you know, you know, three-point shooting is just a streaky thing. And yeah. it's a two, three, four games, five games, ten games is a small sample size. Right. Like you saw LeVar Ball last year shoot. A very high percentage from three. It's one of the reasons he was drafted so highly, and he's on pace to be the the worst shooter of all time right now in the NBA. And probably neither is the truth. The truth lies somewhere in between, and you you just don't have enough of a sample size. But this defense has to get... So I like Gary Trent's chances to to sort of shoot a higher percentage than he's shooting now. I think he is a good shooter. I love... What I love about Gary Trent is that he's willing to make the... He does other things. He's willing to make the big play... When, At the end the, of the game, the game the even though yeah. he's like yeah. 0 for 6 and 3. Yeah. Against Michigan State, he <clears throat> knocks down the, yeah. the 3 that gives us a 3-point lead very late in the game. Um, all his He's had a lot of big-time free throws at the end of a game in the last 3 or 4 games. and they, He embodies that next play m- mindset yeah. that Coach K espouses. And really, so do they all, they all do. Uh, Duvall does, you know. We're critical of some of his defense. We know he can he can be a lot better on that end. His yeah. offense last night was tremendous. He was, I thought, like relatively, relatively dominant. Except for a few turnovers, he 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 just made a lot of really great plays where he's creating the offense. 
So Bagley creates offense. Grayson Allen creates offense. Duvall creates. Like, even Carter creates. That's four out of five guys. And Gary <coughs> Trent, when he starts shooting better, we're going to have a five-position, you know, offense creation machine on our starting lineup. And Coach Gay's going to play him a lot of minutes. And if the defense just tightens up and they just correct some of these small things, we're gonna we're gonna be we're still gonna be fantastic. Yeah, I mean you we're know. we're we're so These good won't be so in the post and yeah. with our bigs. Um, but I mean the defense we we've, we've probably talked about ad nauseum. The three point shooting. Yeah, is, we'll give them is, a month before yeah. we keep banging on over defense anymore. Three point shooting is pretty worrisome. You know it, we've consistently had games where we're going three for eighteen, four for twenty one. Like that's really bad. Yeah, and you know, we're, and. and and we're we, still we, scoring a lot yeah, of points. We knew that coming in also. We knew it was going to be Grayson and Trent, and pretty much that's about it, you know. I don't know what our offensive rebounding percentage is on three-pointers, but we are getting a lot, a of, lot of offensive those. rebounds. One of the benefits of, uh, you know, taking threes is that rebounds tend to be a little more reboundable for the offense. Okay. Uh, you know, our team, we're rebounding. We're offensive rebounding everything. Like, Bagley's just such a force. And Carter, too. Last night, Carter was really a beast on the boards. It's just, it's just frustrating. Anytime the ball, we, we tip off, it just seems like the other team just scores at will for the first 30 minutes of the game. It's, I mean, <laughs> you can't win like that. Yeah, no, You just they, cannot win like that. I, I, I believe it will be fixed. And I yeah, think I mean, of course I think, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Of course. Some parts are just going to get a little better. Some yeah. parts are still going to stay weak. And then a few things are just going to get fixed. These guys are going to get back on defense. They're going to start. They, they got they got time to work on this, and the the schedule's forgiving now. Yeah, for the next six weeks. Right. Um, there isn't a game we're not going to be a double digit favorite. Like we don't have a real tough road game at Boston College. I think is the only. Right. You know, everyone's going to get it's up. It's going to be mid mid January, I think. And, and then we'll begin that gauntlet. And, right. Uh, hopefully they'll they'll really be armed with some some great coaching at that point, and uh, you know, a slightly different mindset on the defensive end, or at least you know, what do you think about him talking about Zion Williamson? I mean, Ricky sounded like he kind of knew some things. <laughs> I mean, I'm right? not gonna lie. He's I, like, I'm hearing rumblings. He's, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm gonna be embarrassed. <laughs> no, here's I'm gonna be. We're, what are we gonna have? Three of the? T- are we gonna have all three? They're one, two, and three, right? No, Zion is. Zion is highly ranked. He's like, definitely in okay, the top ten. Three of the but, top five. But like the like if you looked he's at like, big, a, he's like a, a draft big. mock. He's a big. He well no, he's a short big. Is he six nine? No, no, no. Zion he's a, no, he's a he's a guard. He's a he's a swing a wing. Are he's like a Zion Williamson? He's a monster dunker. I think he's a big, but Well, he seems like a big, but uh I'll just look him up real quick. Okay, he's, this says he's six seven. I think that's really generous. Uh, okay. He's basically like a. He's not like Barkley exactly, but he plays big, but he he handles the ball. Like what's incredible about him? The reasons part of the reason his dunks look so amazing is because he he he's in he's not that tall actually. Okay. You know, um, but he's vicious. He's a freaking vicious player. He's a vicious athlete. Uh, he's absolutely. Uh, he may not be a top three pick. But uh, but man, I I thought it sounded so as if Ricky you, Ricky knew something. So you're not gonna be embarrassed. No, I'm I'm done being embarrassed. You know, I have to deal with enough in my life that doesn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> right. I okay. Yeah, I'm gonna enjoy I'm gonna enjoy success and not not feel guilty about it. I know. I don't know. I would feel better if we got two and Calipari got one. We got two. Cal got one. I don't want to get like 
Alex O'Connell is going to make you feel feel good about it, you know. As long as we have Alex O'Connell, as long I as hope we have a couple of guys a, like that. I hope know? he turns into like Larry Bird Jr. 2.0. We're going to talk about Alex O'Connell's ceiling on the next podcast, okay? Sounds good. And we'll get back into sort of an update on how some of the guys from last year are doing in the NBA. Luke Kennard's getting some more minutes. Yeah, because uh, I feel like we'll it'll be yeah. more slow. I yeah, we'll have, we'll have time to talk about the North Dakota stuff. State game. Yeah, exactly. On Saturday. Yeah, we can't spend an hour and a half on that one. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed it. This has uh, been Duke Basketball Junkies with me uh, and Peter and uh, Ricky Price. It was uh, outstanding once again. Uh,